This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. All right, real quick before we get started on the show, I'm just going to talk about Treeline Academy. You've heard me say it. I can't even tell you how many times. Um, Mark Livesey is treelineacademy.net. That's treelineacademy.net. Sign up. Use the promo code PC2020. Save yourself 20 bucks. Can't say it enough. It's awesome. Amazing. Most comprehensive e-scouting course out there. Check it out for yourself. Sign up. Use promo code PC2020. And now let's get to the show. And I'm talking to Scott Cronin. And uh, Scott, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, Luke, uh, appreciate you having me on the program. I'm a high school agriculture teacher in Western Kentucky that uh, loves to hunt and fish and deal with anything in outdoor recreation across the United States or North America. Well, that's pretty cool. So you were you were telling me you and I talked a little bit earlier a couple times. Um, Tell me about the different things you're involved in and stuff like that with uh, giving back and, you know, extra outreach to, to not only the youth, but you know, hunters in general. And uh, you want to kind of go over that a little bit and talk about some of that stuff? Yeah, the last 21 years of, of my life and being in education, uh, it's opened up the doors for me to get involved after my traditional school day and work with a lot of conservation outreach and I've been able uh, to work with a lot of companies and, and in retail to help educate people about products in an unbiased way to help make them not only safer but uh, more successful in the field and through the work that I've done in retail and, and working with companies and, and going all through a very diverse row over the years with different projects I've, I've been able to bring that back to my students in the classroom and it's really gave me a a really uh eye-opening experience overall because i can i can see what the trends are and, and what the markets are doing and see what employers are are looking for but i also get to see every day what tomorrow's consumer and hunter and anglers is going to look like because I've, I've been working with youth for 21 years so uh, I get to see what patterns are sticking and what trends are are gonna are gonna stick around for for a while and not just be a fad. And um, you know, overall, it's kind of like I've got to watch the evolution of a hunter uh, through my my high school classroom and give so much back to my students 
because of the extra opportunities that I've done outside the classroom. And then at the same time, when you work with corporate people and do research and field test products and go to the field and, uh, you know, work on that side of things, you, you truly get to see where, you know, corporate America is either, either blind or just uneducated about, you know, what they're missing out on too. So I feel like I've, I've really just had an awesome opportunity, uh, especially in the last, you know, 20 years, uh, in the last 10, really strong to see what's going on in outreach education, retail and, and product development. And, you know, we kind of ended up crossing paths because of a product that, uh, we've both had a tremendous, uh, experience with so far and, and are satisfied with the results. And the best part about it is, is when, when you are, I give that recommendation or experience to someone, it's, it's not coming from a, a hashtag approach or how much am I getting paid to do this? It's, it's coming just from real world experience and people still appreciate honesty and, and, uh, not the, the marketing, you know, snake oil approach of, you know, what product I use and why. Absolutely. I, I find that to ring so true because there's so much stuff out there and so many people that endorse things. And, and, and what really irks me is I know of a few people in the hunting industry, um, that, that you hear things or, or see things and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought you used this or X, Y, and Z. And, and they're like, well, you know, that's, that's my promotional, you know, that's who I get paid by it. But no, this is what I actually use. And it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, it it really, really kind of bothers me because there, there's no longer honesty or integrity there, and you, you're you're trusting that person with purchasing a product. And most products, let's face it, hunting products are not cheap by any means because of safety factors or whatever that they have to put into them. And uh, to buy that and use it and go, man, this thing is not worth my time or money. And then realize that that person doesn't even use that is a pretty, pretty dis, distasteful, distrustful type of thing to do. Right. And if you look currently right now and in, in, in hunting uh, and fishing too, really, um, when you look at the people who are consistently putting protein on the table and, um, you know, basically in and out like a revolving door at their, at their taxidermist. There are people who are good scientists, um, they're athletes, they're staying in shape. Um, there are people who put biology first over, over marketing and product, and then they utilize products as tools. And, uh, you know, on the aspect, as far as hunting clothes, you talk about the cost of things, um, 30 or 40 years ago. You would see people that would be in kind of army issued camo out in the woods, and that was really common. And today, a lot of the technologies that our special forces and special operations teams have been able to utilize in their clothing and gear is available to hunters now because those people who have served our country have gave their service and and left or retired, and and they've developed clothing lines and they've carried over that science innovation and technology to the general public and and you're paying for some of that material and you're paying for some of that knowledge and innovation and um we we need to be thankful too that that we have it and we live in a country of free commerce to where you don't have to buy expensive camouflage but if you do want to it's there and it's available yeah you know what irks me about that though is the technology was developed once so and then somebody takes that technology and then they mark it up a 200 or 300% markup, paying slave wages in another country. Right. And then selling it over here and gouging the American people. And that's right. like, when I found out, like there was a company that I found out about that was actually making the stuff over here 100% American made, utilizing stuff that was normally government contracts and stuff like that. That's when I really got excited. And the fact to know that people... And people will text me or call me and be like, hey, man, what was that brand? And then they look at it and go, oh, that's more expensive than Sitka. Yeah, you're willing to spend money on Sitka. And no offense to anybody that's wearing it, but you're willing to spend money on something that's made in China 
and has a hundred and something, 200% markup that has, you know, a million members on their pro staff that are promoting it on social media, but you won't pay an extra $60 knowing it's going to American wages. Like to me, that bothers me a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) But no, no. And, 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 and there, there's never been a better time. You know, if, if there's people out there that are listening to this podcast, um, you know, for whatever reason, just to see, you know, what is the talk on, on the modern hunter, there's never been a better opportunity for hunting products to capitalize on the USA and American made, you know, it, if you're still watching the news and reading the papers, you know, you got cargo containers that are full of product that we can't get off the water for God knows what reasons. And, uh, you know, you've got people that are willing to pay a, a little bit more. And it, it's just like I told a group of people the other day, you know, at, at some point in time, you, you're going to pay whatever you're going to have to pay because if it's not available, then that's just supply and demand. And uh, most people like you and myself, I'll, I'll never blink an eye at paying more over something that's made in Michigan or Iowa or Kentucky or Illinois or wherever you're at. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm a big believer and supporter of the red, white, and blue. And I think it's important for people to ask questions and, and research, just like they scout their deer, or their turkeys or, or fish, whatever, you know, figure out, figure out what these companies are made of and, and figure out, you know, what's, what's their contributing factor to employment and conservation and, and, uh, you know, what, what, what are they doing to, to give back to, to the hunters and, and conservation? Absolutely. So let's kind of talk about that then, because I mean, the whole reason we met was actually because of two way bore saddles and uh pretty, pretty cool company out of Michigan. I ended up meeting them at a, the Genesis 3d uh, saddle tune up event up there in Michigan and um, tried out their saddle firsthand. And immediately after I sat in it, a million things were running through my head and I'm like, this has to be one of the most comfortable, most adjustable saddles that i could sit in and not only that but it had the upper back support without having to add a uh like a recliner attachment to it or any of those kind of things and it's really lightweight what was uh your thoughts on that when you because you you and i were talking about you were doing a little bit of research and kind of reached out to them to find out a little bit more about the product and stuff How, how did that all happen yeah well um and and we'll backtrack a little further too you know at 43 years of age, I've, uh, I've watched a lot of names change and go away, and I've watched a lot stay around when it comes to hunting from any type of elevated position. And, and being in the agriculture background, uh, looking at forestry, arborist-type work, uh, and looking in the outdoor recreation area, and then looking uh, also into uh, you know first responders and military from repelling to to cutting trees up or whatever it is i've kind of been around this stuff for a while as far as how you can support yourself and work from an elevated position and you start looking at people that clean windows every day or have to work from suspended heights on uh, fixing or repairing things or building new structures uh, what we're doing in the saddle hunting aspect of things is is things that people are doing every day i mean they're putting gear on where basically they're being supported by their their uh, their lower extremities of their body uh, and then you know suspending from some some type of, of rope and using descenders and being reliable on knots so with my background in hunter education and in doing advocation and outreach to inform new hunters and how to make them uh, more successful hunters and enjoy their time of field the big thing that i'm seeing luke is we have people that are getting you know, legally certified in hunter education across this entire country. And to my knowledge, um, there's not any written curriculum in any publication that is informing people about saddle hunting. And while many of us are sitting around and saying that, hey, this saddle hunting gear and this technique of hunting without a tree stand has been around for a while but it's just finally truly catching on and it is it's, this will not be a fad now i mean it saddle hunting is successful and and we'll talk about the future of what that's going to mean to tree stand manufacturers also 
and the hunter's budget, but we're, we're going to have to work hard as a community. It doesn't matter what, what saddle you run or how comfortable it is just out of the gate. We need to make sure that people are using them safe and that they can understand the concept of why it's a tool. Uh, and it may be the only way that you hunt and it may just be, uh, adding to the diversity in the way that you hunt. But I have so many people that have come to me in the last two years, especially to promote or utilize their saddle and even get paid um, to use their product. And I've turned it all down. And and I have to keep that unbiased approach because my focus is more about giving back and education and outreach. It's it's not about padding my pockets and, and doing what's best for me to obtain a hunt in this state or that state or to get extra income from working with this or that company. And when I reached out uh, and, I, and I talked to Blake over there, the the attraction, I guess, of, of seeing eye to eye and, and having similar interests was was there. And uh, my height and my size, I'm six foot one. I'm anywhere from 225 to 240 in, in my annual weight, uh, depending on what time of the year it is or, or what type of conditioning I'm, I'm trying to do for my health and and I wanted a saddle that was going to work very well in the early season um, I wanted a saddle that was going to be uh, very supportive and well built and safe uh, that I could teach from and it would be adaptable to a group of people who were skinny and average and above average in size um, with my work and being in the public service line of things, you never know when you could be dealing with an individual who is largely obese. You don't know when you're going to be working with an 80 pound child or, or young adult. You're not sure when you're going to be working with a 165 pound uh, vet that's in tip top shape. And so when I seen that saddle and started trying to educate myself about it, honestly, there was probably less social media information about that hemlock saddle than any other saddles that were out there but the material and the extra size it was appealing to me you know because we talked the other day when you were up in illinois is you know i'm a biscuit and gravy eating kind of guy i'm a i'm a you know finish your plate you know slop it up with a biscuit kind of guy and you know i'm not trying to be grossly overweight but at the same time i'm not teaching crossfit at my local gym so that saddle uh that that appeal of it being bigger was was very appealing to me for late season early season working with a diverse group of of individuals as far as weight and gender and and so uh i went with it and uh there's some features that i thought were better you know not having a rope bridge and uh the just the overall appeal to where i could have uh one saddle that was going to fit a a whole line of people uh you know, I, I took the risk. I was, you know, going to buy it and purchase it for that reason and may not be best for me. But once I got it home uh, or it was delivered to my home, I got it out. I actually called uh, one of my best friends, Jason Miller, and uh, Jason's been in the outdoor industry for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of discussed it and talked about it. And, and I was just I was completely blown away. And it, it wasn't because of marketing or uh, you know a paycheck or you know what was being promised to me it was just it it flat is absolutely the best saddle on the market right now today from my opinion and i've i've been in all of them yeah the only one i haven't been in and only because i thought it was slightly gimmicky but at the same time um i, I think it, it's close to the same adjustability and concept it'd probably be that dryad saddle mm -hmm. um just seems like there's a lot of extra fabric for me um yeah i don't really like i've got a buddy who actually was talking about it the other day and he's like you know i think that's kind of great because you could actually fold it up when it's still in the dark and take a little nap lean back and hold your head up and everything but um i'm not really a guy to I, I get too amped up in the tree and get excited and almost got to contain the add a little bit and uh and uh not bounce around and try and be as still as i can but uh being being in that saddle gets me pretty excited because I know the opportunity is going to be coming by. So 
Um, but definitely oh, yeah. that 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 Twaybor saddle is uh, the Hemlock is by far by far my favorite saddle I've ever sat in. And the moment I got my saddle, I posted all the other ones that I owned and uh, put put them on a Facebook group and and sold them. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm exclusively I, I, I in think, that now. I think. Yeah, I think the saddle situation is going to be like turkey chokes and shotgun shells from 1985 to 1996. Uh, when I kind of look at the era of my life, it you know saddles are something that are just not being carried in a lot of retail stores. It's a lot of direct to consumer uh, sales, and what a lot of folks are doing right now is you know my buddy's got this brand saddle and this platform and this step and you know this do it yourself adjustment or change to their stick or whatever it is or they're learning a you know one stick climbing method so we're, we're coming together as a community uh you're definitely going to have people who are going to be a little bit more uh biased or protective of a certain brand or name because there is going to be some sponsorship involved and money going across the table as this product line develops across our industry and across our sport but um I think the the main thing that a lot of people are going to have to start considering is, you know, will they utilize a saddle? Will it become a tool? Do they understand the pros and cons of utilizing a saddle? And then how do we how do we inform the average weekend warrior and the average working man and and the average female that has a family or is going through college uh, or is aging and and uh you know retired or someone who has some mobility issues how how do we adapt the saddle to where everybody can use it just not this young in fit you know 20 year old to 35 year old age range group of individuals as far as our 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 population because in honesty you have to admit in the last two years uh the the youtube and podcast community has absolutely uh made every saddle company and stick company and platform company successful absolutely i think it's uh kind of a a big misconception that you need to be flexible or agile or any of those things to do it in fact i find that i can't sit and do an all-day sit i cannot do one in a hang-on tree stand unless it's like an absolute recliner and even then then i gotta move around so much to get up and you know you can't sit in a recliner all day or i mean maybe some people can but for me i can't and i need to get up and stand up so i find that i'm mostly a stander anyway and then if i just need to take a little bit of break i lean in the saddle but it used to be at the end of deer season or even in the middle of deer season after a couple all day sits i would be to the point to where i'd have to go to the chiropractor you know couple times a day for a week to just get myself readjusted uh and not have any back pain afterwards and so right that that's what made me switch but i was just down south and i mean you were up north for you in almost in the same area uh last week or this week last weekend and um my buddy's dad was climbing and getting in and out of ladder stands and stuff and i told him i said we need to try and get you in a saddle. I said, if you're sore, I don't think it's from walking up and down these hills down here. I said, I honestly think it's from that that tree stand you're sitting in. I sat in one of his one day, and I just didn't like it. And at the same time, most people, they don't even bring a harness or anything to get in them. And you want to talk about safety aspect. Uh, if your equipment's used properly with a saddle, it's probably the safest means of ascending and descending of any type of equipment out there. Absolutely. Um, and the thing about it is, you know, you're talking about scouting up in, in Southern Illinois. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going through the, the whole process of scouting and looking at trees and transition areas and, and, you know, what the scrape activity is and where the rub line is. And, you know, the whole time I'm, I'm going through there and I'm, I'm making mental notes like, Hey, this would be, good for a climber this would be good for hang on hey this would be good for the saddle here and in the aspect of it is you know i'm i'm sitting here going through my head would i sit here you know in the morning would i approach this after daylight would i sit here middle part of the day there's 
there's so many things that we have to just we, we just have to consider you you've got to you got to worry about your health you got to worry about sitting in the same spot all day and not moving enough and possibly forming blood clots you got to look at the fact that you may possibly have to use the restroom what are you going to do as far as your food and nutrition you don't want to get dehydrated and you know i know a lot of people that sit on all day sets that you know they don't want to drink a lot because they have different beliefs about you know what they do or don't do once their water goes through their their bladder so um and, and you look and you're talking about that that lounge chair uh aspect of of hunting i i will say this you know you, you kind of you hit the subjects it's real hot in education with add you know when you're <laughs> up in a saddle um that I'm, I'm just i'm just going to speak from my experience of working with other people um I think people are more alert. Uh, I've noticed uh, it's really funny because I've noticed that people are on their phones less. They're looking around more. Um, and, and they're almost, they're almost in this mindset that like they, they realize that, Hey, they, they need to be ready and they're kind of on edge. And, and I think the reason why Luke is because I think once people truly adapt to saddle hunting, um, you know, and and are not doing it on the aspect of the convenience of hunting from a saddle, which I, I hope we do talk about. But it's finally, a, it, to me, a saddle hunter is, uh, or a person who has started to saddle hunt, it's a person who has finally admitted to themselves about a few things. Number one, they realize what the potential of the deer age structure and genetics are in their area. Um, they've they've come to a conclusion on what's going to make them happy with their harvest and filling their tags but the most important one is they're they're truly hunting fresh sign and they're understanding the importance of being mobile and being adaptive especially with so many of our seasons starting in in either september or in october and running all the way through january and let's face it most of our state agencies right now are becoming more liberal with uh, the tags, the the type of firearms or methods of taking deer than ever before. I think in the Midwest, you're going to start seeing a lot more, uh, you know, center fire rifle regulations allowed and doe only hunts. Uh, and I think you're going to start seeing a whole lot of ways where not only revenue can be generated, but ways that we can manage CWD and actually get our deer herd age structure down so um man there's so many there's so many directions we can go here but at, at the end of the day once a person has committed to purchasing a platform and getting their steps together and and buying a saddle and looking at whether you know they have a, a, a custom lineman's belt or tether uh and they start getting a little bit more adaptive of you know how they're going to structurally uh utilize and and logistically make sense of their pockets and their materials so that when they're up in the tree uh, you know they're not jockeying a backpack or whatever they're just they're becoming a better hunter and and they're hunting for the right reasons you know i think they finally have settled into that stage of uh they really they know if they're hunting for inches or if they're hunting for you know uh, protein or if they're there to enjoy a hunt on the family farm or if they've got permission from just knocking on a door, if they're on a lease, um, public ground, out-of-state hunt, whatever it is, I, I just I have found that in the community of hunters that folks that utilize a saddle, they're 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 on top of their game right now. They're a smarter hunter, and and they're still continuing to learn. Absolutely, I feel like it makes me a more efficient hunter as well, because once I put that saddle on, my backpack's already back on. My climbing sticks are hanging there ready to go, and I've got my first stick set. I put on that belt, and I'm up and gone. And uh, when, when I used to use a hang-on stand, you'd, you'd have to either climb back down and get the stand, strap it to your back, then take it off and put it on the tree, or raise it up with a rope. And uh, now everything is right there. The only thing I raise up a rope is after I get completely set up, I raise my bow up. And in my pockets, yeah, and- un- underneath my... My lineman's belt, I have uh, my bow hanger underneath that. And then on the other side, once I put my tether on, or actually underneath underneath my lineman's belt, I have my strap to hang my platform. And that's right there underneath that. So it's always there. I know where it is. I grab it. And then once I hang that platform and I put, I put my tether on, on the tree, 
underneath that is my bow hanger strap, and I put that on. And actually, Blake uh, from Tuebor made me uh, a, a really cool strap, and the strap actually has a lower adjustable portion that I could put a carabiner on and hang my backpack, and it hangs down about route around my knee area. It was about where I like it. And then once I get that going, I mean, I'm ready to go. If I want to put up a camera arm, I can. If I want to hang my bow and just start hunting or be, be in position, I'm ready. And uh, it, it's taken a lot of the guesswork or the uncertainty. And to be honest, before I actually got in a saddle, I never tied off on a tree with a lineman's belt at all. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it, it's the nature of the game. A lot of people don't do it. They don't think about it. Tell you got kids or something like that. Most people don't think about it and they do a lot of crazy stuff. Um, and I mean, you've got places like the Tree Stand Safety Institute and things like that, that people do testing of their products and stuff. But I mean, the bottom line is, is like you said, there's not a whole lot of people educating people on that or the adaptability of them or any of that kind of stuff. So I think it's cool as it's growing that we'll be able to do that and educate people and get them more knowledgeable on those subjects. Yeah, and the people that are going right now to the workshops and these field training programs, you know, they got their license, they've got the extra time and revenue, but, uh, you know, you take a whole lot of people that are starting a family or, you know, they're they're serving our country or their, their work schedule just doesn't allow for them to get away. They Maybe they're younger hunters. They don't even have a driver's license um you know they're really dependent on on kind of youtube right now and and just listening to podcasts and it's going to be really important that we all understand that uh you know a lot of people are getting a ups or a fedex package showing up on their front porch and we're sending them aerial and uh we want them to be safe but at the same time the practical aspect of it um you know budget wise i will be the first to tell you that it's probably the most expensive way to uh, go in up front initially to hunt from an elevated position but in the long run by the time you look at all of your stands that you could possibly have an in inventory and straps and uh, the aspect of you know that stuff being out in the weather I think safety wise and budget wise convenience wise storage especially I think back of like when I was in college uh, or times that I was living in an apartment or sharing rental houses you know, as a young man growing up and getting my feet underneath me and getting my life established, uh, a lot of times I didn't have all the budget in the world. I didn't have all the space in the world. Um, I didn't have all the time in the world. Now I, I wasn't hunting prime places either. I was hunting a lot of here and there and where, anywhere places. And um, that that aspect of you know Tree Stand Safety Institute and 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 Tree Stands Manufacturer Association and and all these things. We, we've got to remember that when you start saddle hunting, basically, if you can carry a backpack and you can take your pocket knife out and cut your safety harness in half, that's basically all that you need to enter the woods. It, and, and I've packed a lot of climbing stands in, and climbing stands have their places. Um, and I've packed a whole lot of very light uh you know, lock-on stands in the woods and and different types of steps over the years. But uh, as far as the convenience of everything and and learning and doing things in the dark, you know, the the saddle has this, it's the opportunity for people to not have headaches that I went through uh, hunting from traditional tree stands and ground blinds as a young person. It's just not there. So besides the safety of it, the very aggressive striking method that I feel like we use to truly go in and fill a tag and not hopefully fill a tag or, or go in with the mindset, I hope I see a deer. We know that when we set up in the places that we do that we're we're in deer and it could happen tonight or happen, you know, today or whenever. Um I, I hope folks see that they can avoid things. Uh you know, you can, you can do when you're standing there on your step, but you see what your view is versus, you know, where this little spot or this little nod in the tree is, it's going to be up against your back all day or whether or not this or that is self-leveling or self-adjusting or whether or not you need to trim shooting lanes or branches. I mean, the saddle just, the easiest way to describe it to people, it's, it's like using a lineman's belt going up, setting up your, your lock-ons but you 
just never make that final transition of coming off your last step and stepping over into a stand platform. And you're you're always trying to to look or put yourself in an advantage of of cover and camouflage. So height a lot of times. Uh, I feel like on the saddle you can get away with a lot because you're actually behind the tree instead of in front of the tree. I think that you can utilize the terrain. I think you can utilize the branching and you're you're not necessarily sticking out off the side of the tree like you are in a traditional deer stand and i think once folks start getting comfortable with that it it's changing to the whole story or scenario of what's the what is the proper height to to hunt at or or you know where is the right spot to hunt today or what stand should i go to um it's just man it's such an awesome subject it's such an <laughs> awesome way to hunt and uh you know, it, I feel like it gives hunters more confidence. I feel like it is a safer way to hunt overall. Um, I feel like it's going to allow people to um, understand truly getting back to hunting. You know, we can all debate like baiting or, you know, what's taking place with CWD or anything else. But man, a man or a woman puts on a saddle, uh, you know, and if they're following people that are hunting from a saddle and, and that's who they're learning from, then what they're learning is you hunt fresh sign and you hunt transition areas and you hunt edge and you, you adapt with the season and you consider the wind and you look at what the weather is and you go in and you make strategic moves and you plan your hunts out, but you also are thinking on your feet the day of the minute of, you know, that morning, uh, you know, when you see deer movement, you're, you're automatically, you're down and out of your, your saddle and you're able to go and, and gain access to where you know the deer are going to move that afternoon and and the the face to fact you know it, it's just a lot more convenient than tearing down a 13 pound stand or a 25 pound stand and rattling you know 30 and 40 dollar uh metal stick steps that we've all used pins on and ratchet straps and you know <laughs> taking it all the way over there and setting it up and then you know you get up there and you get it all strapped down and you know, you go to step on a step and something's squeaking or, you know, something's rusty. And, you know, I, I guess what I'm getting at is most all your saddle accessories are going to be some type of cast frame aluminum or true aluminum, you know, in a tubing style. And we're using a lot of very, you know, high end grade aluminum. So we're, we're lightweight. We're, we're looking at things that uh, a lot of times are using stainless components and there's thousands of different tips for, uh, you know, adapting to what works best for you, whether that's aiders or making this knob or that knob or how to hang your bow. And um, I guess what I'm getting at is, like I said, we all have a lot to learn and consistent, you know, hunters as far as putting game down. Uh, I don't think they ever give up that aspect of always being willing to learn and adapt and realize that there's there's a way to build a better mouse trap or use a different bait other than cheese <laughs> absolutely and one of the things you and i were talking about is uh you know guys going on hunting trips and everybody having to bring a tree stand with as well uh like, like you were talking about how great it is to you know have three guys in a pickup truck and be able to have all your gear in there without tree stands taking up all the space you can actually put the coolers in the back of the truck and uh, doing all that stuff. And I think that's great. Like the fact that I can have my sticks and my platform strapped to the back of my backpack, my layers inside, sleeping bag, whatever else, just like you're going to do a Western hunt or whatever. So you can backpack in, have that saddle right in there in a pocket on the, on the backpack and have everything else strapped to it. Uh, that that's, that's huge for, for me and, you know, a lot of other people that, that, that want to go and do that adventure hunt somewhere or backpack like into Shawnee and, and do a, you know, three-day hunt out of your, out of your tent. That, uh, that definitely yeah. changes the game. Yeah, no, I mean, everybody that's listening to this, that's ever been on any type of, you know, uh, hey, we're going to the cabin or, hey, we're going out of state to hunt, you know, and you take a full-size truck and, you know, crew cab you know four doors full size and everybody's packed up good and tight and everybody's got everything organized before they go but you got a bow case or you got a few you know firearms and a duffel bag here or there everybody's got a backpack you're trying to think about coolers you probably got a deer cart so what i'm getting at is 
everybody knows right now that's been on that trip before how nice it was to get back home and just get in your own truck to have a little bit of space because you, you're feeling everybody you're smelling everybody and everybody's gear ends up everywhere by the end of the trip and you're you're always going to have that one guy that uh never picks up his stuff and drives you absolutely bonkers <laughs> and uh, you know you just you finally get to the point to where you streamline and make things logistically work out so a person that's thinking about this right now uh and, and what i'm getting at and i and i try to i try to tell people you know utilize your truck space you know that's a that's a whole nother subject you've got all these little you know shelves or storage areas you've got a center console you've got you know a a molded door piece to you know put this or that you know utilize your space as efficiently as you can where your toothbrush goes where your underwear goes where your socks go where your gold bond goes and extra arrows and broadheads and releases whatever it is just you know strategically pack that truck or whatever vehicle you take well with these saddles and your platforms and your sticks same way uh you know we got so many cool 10 and 15 and 20 dollar innovations that we can buy to help wrap and tie stuff up and secure stuff down and cinch it down and uh and then there's you know folks like me and you and others that you know we used a piece of of wire or you know we we save this or that off of some packaging that uh you know doesn't cost anything and we use it as a twist tie or, or whatever it is but start putting everything together in a truck and uh next thing you know you can actually you can hunt out of it and live out of it and you know you're not you're not pulling stands and and uh stuff across people's duffel bags and ripping stuff and cutting hands and uh you know dropping people off and making all kinds of racket uh, you know from this point or that point and you're not doing that constant truck shuffle you know and uh and the point of it is is you're mo you're mobile and and I truly believe that once you adapt to the aspect of utilizing hunting from a saddle as a uh, a style of hunting, um, I, I think you kind of get out of that comfortable, well, my stand's already hung. I'll just walk over there and hunt it one more time. Um, I mean, you got to, I've got to admit, and I'm sure you can too and others, that there are times that there's you know, memories and experiences where, where I walked to and where I hunted was not the best spot to go. It was just a spot that was already pre-executed and it's four o'clock in the morning and, you know, a cup, cup of coffee wasn't doing it. So, you know, I just kind of climbed up that set of sticks or that ladder or got my climber and just kind of sat there and, and, uh, and hunted cause I wanted to hunt, but there's times that I can admit that I've, I've not put in the energy and the effort and stayed on my A game. Uh, because I've, you know, not paid attention to my nutrition or my sleep on a trip. And that's things that you work on as you age and get more wisdom. But, you know, you, you got that saddle and, and each day is an adventure and, and you don't have a lot of time to set up, you know, that's, um, you're saving space. Um, you know, people, they're dumping out of the truck, they're going, you got two or three other people that you got to drop off, you know, when, once you include yourself and, um, you know that that aspect of it is is really nice and if you hunt somewhere and you you don't like what's going on you know you're between your sticks and and your your saddle and your platform and your gear you know i i would i would bet that on average by the time you take water food clothing gear i, I would say the average saddle hunter's putting 22 pounds on his back 22 to 25 pounds um uh, it, it's just doing it and not really thinking about um uh, you know where they could drop weight or how much more efficient they can be. And and I gather that and, and average that up by just looking at, you know, whether they're a two stick, three stick hunter, or if they're using eighters or if they're packing, you know, some peanuts or a bottle of water, if they have, you know, their uh, grunt call or their horns in their pack. I mean, it, they're, whether they're a buckle or, you know, uh, a new, more innovative style or way of, you know, a more, or modern strap it, it you know i think we all can agree that most people going in with a saddle your your lightweights are probably coming in around 12 pounds and and your average folks are coming in around 25 so it's it's yeah. a fast convenient quick way to hunt out of a backpack you know and that, that's what i'm getting at you if you can whatever you can think about putting in a backpack extra gear extra clothing food water uh actual true saddle all your ropes uh and 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 what you need bow hangers and all that uh, you can a, a good 30 dollar backpack uh from 
any type of retail store that is somewhat tactical uh, built or laid out with a Molly system and just a fairly large cargo container and, and a waist strap, you know, you don't, you don't have to go out here and, and buy a $300 specialty backpack. I mean, there's features. <laughs> don't talk. Nice, but you can, yeah. You know, and, don't, uh, and, and, don't. And, and you can, yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. tell me that. Cause I, I went the opposite yeah. direction, but um, yeah, I, I like to do a little bit of Western hunting too. Um, so naturally I wanted a pack that I could use for both. Um, mm-hmm. maximize my, my money on it and, and use it. But at the same time, sometimes, I mean, I don't want to drag a deer out three miles. I just don't want to do it mm-hmm. and I'm not going to do it. So I wanted a pack that right. I could also pack it out like a Western style hunting pack. And I, I ended up going with an initial ascent pack and it's got like a carbon fiber external frame and you can change out the bag to you know a 2k a 4k or a 6k bag with a pannier if you want and all the other stuff on it and uh so that's what i ended up going with and just this last weekend um if you if you look on my instagram page on monday i packed out an entire deer on my pack and no bs even though it was you know it was only a year and a half two year old two and a half year old deer wasn't like it was a super old doe or anything but at the same time i packed out the entire deer by myself and it wasn't even that bad. I didn't even notice really that the weight changed any differently on my pack from carrying my stands and my regular gear just because of the way it carried the load. So I'm yeah. one of them guys that kind of kind of goes with that, you know, and it's not something you need or you have to have, but if you're looking like in my opinion, if you're looking to buy a pack and and you have the income to buy it and you plan on doing like multiple hunts, I would look at something that you can use for both. And I think that's, that's kind of key for, for, you know, a lot of people, if they plan on doing some other stuff besides, besides that, or say you're going to North Dakota or, you know, whatever, I can carry a lot of stuff in there if I need to, or I could put a 2k bag on with no lid and, uh, and trim it down, but still have all my hunting stuff and know I have the capability of carrying out a whole deer. <laughs> right. Right. And, and with what's going on right now with, collaborations of states as far as uh trying to pinpoint and figure out you know what the development and and uh, beginnings of cwd is appearing in certain states and other states that have been dealing with it for a while i, I think in the next five years i think there's two things that we've talked about that you're going to see just as a norm um as a grunt call and and a regular lock-on tree stand and that is i think you're going to see the average hunter invest in a pack frame and i'm and i'm talking about hunters michigan indiana iowa southeast you know all all through the east coast that are not traditional big game hunters or have not traditionally hunted in the west and truly understand what it means to break down game or quarter it out or debone i think as the the states start to uh, regulate how carcasses carcasses are moved and and how um, you know CWD is being managed individually by each DNR or um, state and game agency. Uh, the hunter is going to have to develop and learn and and perfect the skill of deboning and minimum at least learn how to quarter a deer. Um, and you know the the cool thing about that is is if as you start doing that you start talking about like your pack i mean there's there's definitely tools out there that uh that make it to where it's not you're doing work but it's almost like kind of an enjoyable pleasure uh reward that you get from that type of work because you know you've had a successful hunt you're going off of you know what's being secreted through your body as far as just you know uh, a high from hormones and hard work and uh you know staying alive on whatever caffeine or or (laughs) food that you're putting in your body so um you know it's easy to kind of pack out you know 200 pounds of meat or 60 pounds of meat uh when you've had a little you know i guess get up in your step because you you've punched that tag and had a successful hunt and uh the saddle's the other thing i I just i think that you know hunters are going to adapt and i think that uh as as we grow i think as production goes up and like anything in business is volume increases costs will go down just the same way it has in 
for example, like cell cameras or uh, trail cameras in general, um, and you have more people competing for a consumer, uh, they're going to realize that some people are going to have a budget and they're going to have to create a better product or the best product uh, on what the consumer's budget is. And, uh, you know, we're, we're at such a, you know, people say, well, man, it's just deer hunting. You know, you stick to the basics, but there, there, there really is a lot of things that are changing. Uh, and those changes are, are going back to the basics. You know, people are understanding how to hunt sign more. They're understanding how to process their game more. And, and some of those things have come because of the changes in our sport. You know, people say they have less private places to hunt and access. So public ground has got just a tremendous, uh, you know, increase of, of interest. And in. we've done a great job with advocating and, and, and doing uh, you know, social media type projects to inform people of, you know, kind of what to expect on public ground and, and, uh, you know, how to hunt public ground. And, and then you've got the aspect that, you know, we have some health concerns, not only that are or could have a tremendous impact on our, on our deer herd, you know, elk and antelope or, you know, mule deer or whatever, but, you know, also our, our agricultural market and there's, there's going to be I think a, a big increase from a lot of your insurance companies that do secure farmers' crops and their livestock. You know, when you look at things that are a zoonotic disease that, you know, could be spread from, you know, bovine to to deer, deer to bovine or whatever, you know, that there's going to be that political voice involved there. So I think, you know, that's going to help you know, gain traction with our political people and make our regulations, like I said earlier, more liberal. And you're going to have to start shooting more does and we're going to have to control our our deer population, I think, and look at carrying capacity because um, once you get past that, you know, consumer aspect that people are going to have to buy, a, you know, a frame pack and they're going to have to learn how to debone their their animals. So, you know, maybe knife sales or, you know, field care supplies it goes up and then they they start adapting to the saddle at, at the end of the day luke people have to remember that we have to have a species to hunt and we've we've got to have locations to go and hunt and we're going to have to make some some changes whether we like them or not and we're really you know 10 years ago we were talking about where gun hunters and crossbow hunters and traditional archery uh equipment and you know this or that you know farm or or weapon you know we we all need to come together as a community of hunters but you know right now we're we're going to have to come together as as hunters with with the mindset of, of conservation and we're going to have to look a little differently at, at baiting laws and we're going to have to look a little differently at you know when our season dates are or whether or not you know centerfire rifles are allowed or special seasons are allowed to harvest more does later in the year because you know, I'll, I'll tell you this, and this is the good thing that we talked about before the podcast is when you listen to other people speak, you don't have to agree with them, but it will at least trigger your brain to think about, you know, what am I doing right or what am I doing wrong or what can I take from this podcast or, or YouTube video and, and apply it to make me a better hunter or outdoorsman. But when we look at CWD and what we know about CWD, I, I do believe that when the truth comes out and, and we're transparent and the game agencies inform the hunters, you're going to see that if, if the state truly trusts their deer biologists, that having a big mature trophy deer herd is not going to be on par and in favor of helping control CWD because of what we do know about the age structure of bucks and, you know, their percentage of actually being more acceptable to you know getting cwd as they age and and uh there's a lot of states i'm fixing to go to tennessee next weekend and i talked with a really good friend of mine last night and i just asked him i was like man does, does anybody even shoot does anymore in the state of tennessee because i mean it, it i mean it, and there's a lot of states like that wisconsin i wonder you know and you know, I've been up through Michigan, you know, turkey hunting and, and just traveling with work and, and doing different things. And, man, you just you just see deer everywhere. I mean, just absolutely everywhere to the point to where it's it's really not a challenge to see deer. You know, it's it's <laughs> uh, they're they're just there. And and I, I think that's 
the aspect of that is, you know, how does that incorporate the saddle hunting? Well, you get up here and you, you hunt this little four acre wood block and you get done. You don't need to hang a permanent stand and put, you know, three hours of work in there, trimming, shooting lanes. And you're not hunting a rut funnel there and you're not going to be sitting there, you know, during the prime time of November, you're just going in to hunt and, and help balance the, the ecosystem and, and control the deer population. So, uh, on the conservation note, uh, that soapbox is for folks that are listening is, is shoot a few does and enjoy the protein that they give us and understand the checks and balance system and carrying capacity because um, we, we, we need to look at our gear. We need to look at this strategy and that strategy, but we got to remember at, at the end of the day, uh, we've got to manage our resources and we, we need to stick to, uh, to doing what's best for, for the species and, and not what's best for us sometimes. Absolutely. I mean, uh, the the quota numbers need to actually be looked at, but also it's hard for me sometimes because I feel like certain states and their biologists are biased, and it's not biased because of actual herd health. It's because of external influences from either politicians or insurance companies or whatever it may be to lower numbers without actually considering the health of the herd. and. Uh, yeah, that that that's a whole different gamut of things we could probably get into, Scott. That uh, would go a oh, whole, whole different direction. But um, I, it's it to me, it seems like most states out west tend to care and track more about the actual numbers. Even though most of the time, it seems no matter where it is or what it is, by the time it actually happens or the regulations go into place, because you're you're dealing with bureaucrats and. and bottom line is they don't move at a lightning pace unless it's something to benefit them it seems like that uh that a lot of times the herd does suffer for a year or two before things actually get done about it yeah it's uh you know we uh, i i support all the fish and game agencies um and here lately i think a lot of us that are you know trying to get involved and give back and be active in in our sport and and the species that we hunt um, unfortunately sometimes when we talk about managing bucks it's it's not the ones that are on a hook they're we're managing you know billions of dollars i mean whitetail deer is the number one hunted game species in north america and what it means to our revenue um it, it's just it's unbelievable and uh you know behind closed doors you know people uh do not want to lose revenue you know whether that's through license sales or not having game to hunt whether it's dhd or cwd or or whatever it is and then you know that what kind of happens in our in our whitetail world with the revenue and economy is is really kind of what funds and sponsors a whole lot of other things so uh you know whether a person's a whitetail hunter or not there's a whole lot of pr dollars Pittman robinson dollars that are you know going towards the the act and progress of conservation um to help other species as well so it's a man it's a it's a dangerous topic and you know anytime that you get involved politically um you know things start going downhill real quick it's it's not a republican or democrat debate it's uh it's just the fact of, you know, do we have good, honest people uh, representing us and making sound decisions for hunting and conservation? And, and uh, the, the answer to that, you know, I, I don't know anymore. Um, <laughs> I, I hope that we do. And, and I hope that, you know, the NGOs that we, we all try to help out or belong to, you know, I, I hope things are going in the right direction. But at the end of the day, Luke, you know, and I know that, uh, you know, we, we don't necessarily always keep up with every dollar that's raised or earned or taxed, you know, what percentage of that is going to a salary or a, you know, a vehicle or a research project or, you know, purchasing, you know, public land. Um, so, you know, going on the, the aspect of, you know, what we do as hunters, we just, we just need to not ever lose focus that, uh, you know, we need to enjoy the sport. We need to change our tactics but we need to stay involved and, and, and stay connected with what's going on, not only, you know, politically on the national level, but just locally, you know, what we can do to help or, you know, what struggles are, are going on and, and, uh, you know, give, give back to, 
to something that we all tremendously care about, you know, and just not be a taker uh, from the consumptive aspect of harvesting game, but, you know, also be a volunteer and, and, and a person who is, is definitely giving more than, than they're taking in general, when you look at your, your annual year, your, your lifespan of, of what your legacy is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a great point that you made. And actually that's a pretty good, pretty good spot to wrap it up here. Um, Cause I, I know we could go on all night and talk about a bunch of things, but the, the, the point that you made there that we all need to give back and actually, uh, you know, not just be a consumptive source, but a, a source of uh, returning what what we take back to the community and back to the, the environment is a pretty good, pretty good point. Um, before we go, would you like to uh, tell everybody where they can find you and if they want to reach out to you, talk to you, or maybe give you some questions or something like that? Um, give them all that information. Yeah, I mean, I mean, basically on on social media, uh, you know, just search i guess for my name you know scott cronin and live in western kentucky and if people want to reach out to you through your your podcast and message them if there's anything that they would like to learn more about or you know pick my brain on or you know do whatever they want to do uh, i'll just i'll give you my cell phone number and if, if they take the time and energy to reach out to you through a direct message uh through social media you're more than welcome to, to share it with with them but uh, i appreciate the opportunity to be on tonight luke it's it's absolutely uh the best part of the year uh i'm already losing sleep you know trying to plan out uh, my schedule and uh you know we're in a just absolutely outstanding time to hunt white-tailed deer uh, mass crop seems to be really good across the country some people have dealt with drought and some people are getting a lot of early season uh cool weather that is really getting deer up on their feet and just to be honest with you if anyone's listening to this uh once it goes out there on the uh the live platform to to listen to i would say all through the midwest and at least through uh kentucky indiana all that uh, i'd say starting next tuesday that first week of november through next sunday uh i think there's going to be a whole lot of happy hunters we've got some (laughs) 30 degree temperatures coming so if you reach out to me i'm either at work or in a tree stand in another state because my kentucky buck tag is done and and uh it's time to go help and volunteer pull some cwd samples and and uh you know give my contribution back of uh, buying some out-of-state hunting license and deer tags so absolutely i'm looking forward to it i hope you have a have a blessed season with a lot of success and hope everybody's safe you know that's that's the main thing if you don't reach out to me or if you don't reach out to luke if you have a question about hunting out of a saddle or or any style of hunting that could possibly uh, put you at risk or harm because you're just uneducated about what you're doing you know please try to reach out to someone whether that's your game warden or your state game and fish agency uh with their outreach with hunter ed you know just don't be afraid to ask it's hard for i know you got men and women that both listen but it's hard for a lot of grown men to walk up to another grown man and say, Hey, I don't know how to do this. It, it hurts their pride. So, yeah, it's, it is true it's, though. Uh, there is no such thing as a stupid question. If you have doubt, find out. Cause, uh, I, I believe that, <laughs> I believe that, uh, you know, the risk isn't always worth the reward if you don't know what you're doing. So that, that, yeah, that's absolutely, important. So absolutely. Well, thank but, you uh, so much. Figure out. Yeah. Just figure out a way that, we can hook up and and we'll uh we'll talk side by side in a tree verse <laughs> over the airway absolutely so. i appreciate it thank you for coming on yes sir Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. out there and the 
fish are where you think they are. Any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. to go like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.